0: reading is from John chapter 13 verses 1 to 5 and can be found in pages 1081 in the church bibles Jesus washes his disciples feet it was just before the Passover festival Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end The second reading is uh, from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, which you'll find on page 1179. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Both? That's great. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the way these words both in John and Philippians, have watered my soul and fed me over many years in the ministry that you called me to. I pray that they would continue to pour out into people's hearts and minds and lives today. All to your glory, and all that the world may believe you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a new film out, and it's called Ant-Man. Who's seen Ant-Man? No one. You're missing a treat. I haven't either, but anyway. But Ruth was telling me about that she went with her grandson, is that right? Or? Sorry. Yes, you went to cinema, yes, thank you. Ruth went to the cinema with her grandson, Max. Now, the main thing wasn't the film as such, but the poster, the poster in the Odeon, that you can all go and see if you want, because it's just in the foyer, promoting the film, because it looks like a big, white piece of paper. It looks completely blank. But, as if nothing is on it, but Max took Ruth and said, ''Look closer, Ruth,'' or ''Granny,'' Uh, and right in the middle is the tiniest superhero of all, Ant-Man. And it's hard to see because he makes himself almost nothing, yet has immense power, even as Ant-Man, and uses it well for the good of all mankind. And Paul writes today, Jesus made himself nothing. Nothing. And the words that he used seem to go against the grain of the world that we live in, where there is immense pressure to be someone, to get to the top. An upward journey of success is mapped out, even from key stage one now, of how we are performing, how we are achieving. So who in their right mind would want to make themselves nothing? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, Paul writes. How do we do that? How do we have the same mindset or attitude as some versions have as Christ Jesus? And Paul takes us to Christ and the journey that Christ has made for you and for me to answer that very question. And Esther began last week in verses 1 to 4 that you'll see in front of you now where we see the words written of humility, words that instruct us and inform our mind about humility. Now this week, we see in verses 5 to 11 the action of humility, lived out in Christ. And Jesus invites each of us to follow him on his humbling way. And he did this while he was on earth. He said, the one who humbles himself will be exalted in Luke 14. The one who makes themselves as little as a small child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is the way of Jesus, and the way to which he calls his disciples, it is the way that at first frightens, or at least embarrasses us. Who wants to be humble? Who wants to be last? Who wants to be a little powerless child? But then we see Jesus, who reveals to us in his amazing radical downward spiral, the humbling way, revealing the compassionate nature of God. And it's in seeing Christ that Paul is saying, have that attitude, look at Christ, Become like him. And verse 6 is one of the most extraordinary verses in the Bible. It takes us deep into the mind of the Son of God. Consider what Christ himself is considering. And what we see is that there was no hypocrisy in the mind of Christ. He knew that he was in very nature God. He didn't come to earth because he thought his father was greater than him or because he thought we were more godly or gifted than he was. No, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto. No, it was Christ's free choice. It was his decision to obey God, to love us, and in doing that, had to strip himself of power and majesty. He removed his outer clothing took water and a towel and began to wash his disciples' feet. Then in verse 7 of Philippians, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a slave, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What always strikes me from this hymn of the early church that Paul is quoting are the expressions, he made himself nothing, he humbled himself. Surely the most extraordinary in the whole Bible. This is God we are speaking about. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works your hand has made. He's speaking of God, who remains fully God, yet empties himself. And Paul is speaking here of the first Christmas day. Only 151 days to Christmas. Get ready. That Christmas day where we celebrate the miracle of the incarnation, God enfleshed, so that God now knows exactly what it is to be tired, to be hungry, to be harassed, to be lonely, to be despised, to be tempted, to be frightened. God knows what it is to be you and me. And yet that humbling downward spiral was not low enough, it seems. Having made himself nothing, he humbled himself. And Paul moves our gaze away from Christmas to Easter. To the atonement, when being found in appearance as a man, he became obedient unto death. And if God being born was a miracle, how much more that God should die for us upon a cross. For this meant for Christ torture. And worse than that, shame. And then it gets worse. Because the whole dustbin of our sin is heaped upon Christ as he hangs there upon the cross. And so this hymn reminded the church, the people who were following Christ, how Christ identifies himself at his birth with despised servants and at his death with disgraced sinners. And he who became flesh then became sin. And these are some of the deepest valleys of humiliation. And God walked them, he went through them. God showed his love and revealed his humility by doing something. He made himself nothing and he humbled himself. I became a Christian, as you know, at Scargill in the Yorkshire Dales. I encountered God there in many different ways. The landscape is stunning. The stars, amazing. Amazing through the worship, through the teaching. But I suppose, above all for me, it was in the community. It was in the people who lived on community and were living the downward, humbling way, making themselves nothing in order to serve me, to show me, through their actions, God. God now with flesh on. In the lives that they had left, to live and work in this place for little money, that God was more, and they wanted to offer their service and their discipleship in a specific way. Having become a Christian there in the back row in the chapel on the left, when I returned, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, my father away in Saudi Arabia, and I took up the role of serving in having read this passage, preparing the home welcoming people to come in who'd come to say goodbye to my dying mother. I then went on to train in the service industry. The place I trained in had the motto for excellence we strive. We sought to be the best that you could possibly be at serving people anywhere in the world. And that was written every day into our lives. All these events And then after that I went to Scargill, back to Scargill, and there cooked in the kitchens with a team who had no idea about cooking at all and was quite quite pressurised at times, particularly when they all walked out on Christmas Day. But it was fine, I think, anyway. What I'm saying this for is because all these things have helped shape me. They have helped formed me they have helped reveal to me the mindset that Paul saw in Christ. And God's call to me was to follow him. And in following him, I knew that ministry would be about people and be about serving. So I purposefully went to discover how you did that. And on one day, when the rubbish, big tipper thing, fell off the back of the lorry, I found myself heaped in weeks of rubbish, digging it, with the Bangladeshis, who also had to do that. There are different ways in which we find ourselves serving God. Many of you have responded to the Are You in the Boat campaign, both financially, which we're gonna say more of later, but it is really good, and thank you for that. But movingly, others have responded by doing acts within the life of the church, as Paul is doing this morning in welcoming, as people do in the cafe, as people do in all kinds of different ways, as somebody's offered to do some DIY in the life of the church, all these different ways adding up. And all of you do different ways in which you serve in the world that you live and move and have your being in, where you're seeking to reveal the mindset of Christ. But you're probably wondering how, in imitation of Jesus, you are to find that descending way for you, It's a very personal question. And in the end, I don't think anybody can answer it but you. It isn't simply a matter of renouncing the money you have or the possessions that you hold on to or your status or even your friends and family who may not share the Christian values that you have. Horrifying for our parents when we said we're going to work in Scargill for six pounds a week. Our parents were terrified. For some, it can mean this. It can mean rising up and following and leaving everything behind, but it is a calling. Each one of us, though, has to seek out his or her own descending way of love. And to imitate Christ's humble descending way, requires prayer and immense patience. It has nothing at all to do with spiritual heroics, dramatically throwing everything overboard to follow Jesus. The descending way is a way concealed in every person's heart, but it's seldom walked on. And once the first flurries of becoming a Christian Christian, fade, the walk we have with Christ can become overgrown with weeds, where slowly but surely we find we have to clear the weeds to open the way again and to set out on that way without fear. The weeds can be many things, things that can grow up in our life, like loss, loss of a person, loss of a child, loss of a job, loss of a way of life. It may be the weed of insecurity. It may be the weed of temptation that leads to sin, that can take us down a huge road with a huge sign saying, what about me? What about me? If you ever struggle with humility or self-denial, or if you struggle with those who you're serving where you are at work and finding it really hard to love, perhaps even members of your own family, I simply encourage you to think on this picture of Christ. For many times, I have had to do this. So I simply come with something I myself have discovered. I come to this passage and I see again what Christ has done for me. He is the great example of verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interest of others. This is what he did when he came to die in your place. And Hebrews 12 puts it like this from the message. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item. That long, long litany of hostility he plowed through for you. That will shoot adrenaline into your soul. So the hymn in Philippians 2 moves from humility being found in words that inform the mind that then leads to our actions that reveal God. And finally we discover it leads to worship. And this is what we see in the case of Jesus Verse 6 and 8 all tell us what Christ did, but in verse 9, the actor changes. It's not Christ acting anymore. It's God, the Father. That same Father who on the cross, Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Therefore, this is what God does. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue acknowledge that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And we see here the uniqueness of Christ in God who has done this. No other God has done this. For you, for the world, for everyone. And this is the uniqueness of Christ that itself could be a sermon but we see in the therefore, it's because he humbled himself that Christ is exalted. It's as Jesus, the man wounded with hands and side, it's because of this that he is exalted. Because in his very humility, Jesus displays what it is to be God. And so we too must leave our exaltation to God. All of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's almighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. We do not humble ourselves in order to be exalted by God we humble ourselves, leaving our exaltation to God. Well done, good and faithful servant. You too may enter the joy of your Lord. It is an inflexible law that Jesus taught repeatedly that the first will be last, and the last will be first. That the proud will be humbled, and the humble will be exalted. We are simply but profoundly encouraged by our passage today to humble ourselves and to think of others. For by this, they will know that you are my disciples. You too follow Christ in the downward spiral of the humble way. Ant-Man has a blank poster with a
0: tiny, tiny ant
1: in the middle that you can hardly see. How will your life, how will my life promote this passage? How will it be seen? How will you become less so that Christ can become more? I'm going to close in a moment by reading the words of the song we're going to sing next. But I want to read them because sometimes we sing things that are familiar. But when the the singing starts, in the shower this morning, I had a picture of a towel, quite appropriate really, I suppose. But it was actually the feeling that many people here could be weary in service. Perhaps you're caring for somebody. Perhaps there's a situation at work that you're having to carry. Perhaps it's something that you feel frustrated with God with. Perhaps it's that you're really joyful in what you're doing, and you just want to offer it to God. Now, you can do that where you are, but this passage is about action. And it may be that I just simply ask you to come and pick up a towel and just lift it to God. This is my action, God. Whatever that is for you, whatever that is your God enfleshed, just lift it and ask him to fill it. And as you look at the towel, look beyond the towel to the cross and remember what he has done, how he has served you, that not only these words, but his action may inspire you to keep on lifting the towel, to keep on serving. As somebody who's worked serving people, it is not easy at times. It is extremely hard work. Come and be inspired by the love of God and lift your towel. There aren't many of them. I've got many in my home. So maybe you lift it and then lay it down and go back to your place. This is not a command, it's just an offering that may help you respond to this word today that is the biggest word I think in the Bible in one sense. It's a massive mountain to climb, to imitate Christ. No one will come and pray with you This is simply you and God lifting your service in love and adoration and as worship to God.